Good afternoon, it's Brent Holland. Welcome to the show. A very special guest this afternoon. Lydia Reich joins us. Lydia Reich is a Holocaust survivor. This afternoon she will recount the horrors and the evil she saw firsthand in the notorious concentration camp Bergen-Belsen, where she met and befriended none other than Anne Frank. The friend that uh, they have after the war with with Annie, and she said Annie was dead. It's all little babies taken, torn from their mother's arms and torn to pieces and thrown into the again. It doesn't matter that you or not you, if there are bad people there in every race, good people in every race too. My whole family got killed. I'm the only survivor. I said, I must survive. I must survive. I have to tell the world what happened. This afternoon, it's Lydia Reich and her book, Desperation, Surviving Hitler's Intention, right now on Brent Holland. Lydia Reich joins us this afternoon. Lydia Reich is a Holocaust survivor and was just a young girl when she encountered Hitler's final solution up close and very personal. Just to let you know this afternoon, Lydia Reich's mother tongue is German. I have done some editing to the show in order to enhance the sound quality. Also, there are several things I should mention that when she talks about a wagon, she is referring, of course to a train boxcar. She grew up in the 1930s in Germany. She was ripped from the arms of her mother virtually, taken to a slave labor camp, later forced on a death march to Bergen-Belsen. Lydia Reich told me during the interview her sole motivation for staying alive was an inner voice that told her to survive in order to tell her story. While she lay there freezing in the camps, underfed, undernourished, waiting for death at any second, the only thing that kept her going was to bear witness to what has taken place. Folks, with anti-Semitism the highest it's been since the 1930s, perhaps this is a show you really need to listen to, lest it happen again. Please listen to this show and share it with your friends. Share it with the world. Lydia Reich.
Mrs. Reich, I've read your book, Desperation, Surviving Hitler's Intention, and I must tell you, it's quite inspiring and quite horrifying at the same time. I was wondering if we could perhaps start at the beginning. You write in your book that you would like to honor your parents and your sisters. I was wondering if we could start out right away and speak a little bit about them. I gave myself up because she wanted to take my mother. So I threw myself out from the hiding and gave myself up and my mother nearly fainted. And she saw me. You know, every mother wants to sacrifice for a child. Then my father came. I've never in my life heard him swear, but he swore at them. It didn't matter to him anymore. He saw them, and I walked along, and we took a few wrecks in a suitcase. What was life like for you in the 1930s in Germany? Hell. Hell. I looked not Jewish. I had prayed in the sight, and I looked not Jewish. So when I went with my sister, which she looked and knows was not straight, you know, they would say, oh, there you go with the Jew. They didn't know it was my sister. So I entered and then kissed my, you know what. Now I understand that one of your favorite things to do was to swim. Yeah. And the Nazis forbade any Jewish people from going. Yes. Yes. Swimming. And uh, my friend that adored me, he was not Jewish. In our building, his father was an ardent Nazi. He didn't know about it, and his mother was a sweetheart. And they took us swimming almost every week. They took me and my sister swimming. And it was a gift from God. A gift from God. If there is a God. Well, let's talk about what I went through and saw. Can you tell us what you went through and what you saw? I saw little babies taken, torn from their mother's arms and torn to pieces and thrown into the again off the quicksand line. I saw the mothers killing themselves. I saw horrible things that uh, it's beyond me to even want to recollect. When you were 10 years old, Mrs. Reich, the Gestapo came. Can you tell us about those days and your memories from those days? You mean the day when they deported us? Yes, please. Well, the Gestapo came when I was in, and one Gestapo was not mean. He was not mean. He quietly whispered to my father's ear, because my father was an outstanding painter, and he whispered into, with work like that, couldn't you have established to stay here? He could use you. And... Uh, they took us with hardly any clothing, and they took us to a dungeon 
and we had to wait, and then we had to walk three days and three nights in the rain, drenched. I later developed pneumonia. The Polish wouldn't let us in, although we were Polish Jews, and the Germans wouldn't let us back, and the time it's everywhere. Can you tell us about that three-day walking in the rain? Can you tell us about your family in the rain and how cold you were? I was the youngest, and everything was around me, you know. The cold ate us life. The walking in the rain and in the freezing cold was a horrifying experience, if I may say so. Oh, you may. And later on, they took us to a wagon, which was maybe 20 people. They threw in like 60, 70 people. And one was standing on the other. And they took us somewhere. And we had shooting. Just didn't have enough bullets to shoot us too. And I am the witness. You say people were standing one on the other. Can you describe those conditions for our listeners? Was there any bathroom facilities? Was there any facilities to lie no, down and rest? No, there were no bathroom facilities. No, nothing. You had to do where you stood. No, they, were, they didn't give us any conveniences. You must be kidding. They didn't give us any food, any conveniences. But we brought along with us the crumbs. We would eat like sugar candy. Your parents must have been devastated. They were. My mother was crying the whole way. That I remember my mother with tears. Even my father, that was a strong man. Even in his eyes, I saw tears. Were you happy to finally get into Poland? Well, we were not happy to get into Poland because we wanted to go all to Palestine. That time it was not Israel, just Palestine. All to Argentina. That time ran out and they got us. I don't really wish it were my worst enemy. When were the armbands introduced? How did you feel about wearing one? The armband? Oh, in the earlier times. I don't know exactly the year, but the armband was introduced. Were you upset to put one on? Upset. Were you angry to wear one? No, I was proud. Oh, please tell us why you were proud. Because it's the most David. It means peace will come. The Mashiach will come. Yes. Do you still believe there is a God after what you've been through? There must be a God. If we don't believe in a God, we might as well be dead. There must be a God. But why he let us go through such is beyond me. It's often said that the real miracle after the Holocaust was not the fact there was any Jews left. The Rebbe said this, Rebbe Schneerson. He said the real miracle is that any of the Jews still believed in God. Yeah. You have to, don't you understand? You have to. You have to believe. And the young grandmother 
and I want my kids, they should go to synagogue and they should go to Hebrew school. We have to carry on. Don't you understand? I understand completely. Can you tell us when you were in the camps, did you ever question where God was? Yes, I questioned. I questioned where was God? Why don't he help us? And then I had a girlfriend and she got terribly sick and but she mm-hmm. died in the end. We were the best friends. And she died from sickness in the camps. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's stay in the camps for a little bit. Can you tell us the living conditions in the camps? What was it like when you first opened that door? We got uh, slice of bread daily. We got uh, milk and Udnelsted, it took a woman of repute in Poland, and she was not nice, or thought she was Jewish, you know. It doesn't matter that you are not you. If there are bad people, they are in every race. Good people are in every race, too. And uh, people that don't believe it are very sick people. Was it cold in the camps? Was it warm? It was cold. How many girls were in the room with you? How many? A few hundred. A few hundred? Yeah. Was there enough space for you? Yeah, to sit on the floor, yes. I had a girlfriend with me. We were friends for many years. So what we did was, I was laying half a night on her, and half a night she was laying on me. To stay warm. They gave you no blankets? No, no. All you had was the clothes on your back? That's right. The toilet facilities, the sanitation facilities... The sanitation, you can just imagine. There were sanitation facilities, but they were very filthy. Folks, if you're just joining us, I have been riveted to this seat. We are speaking with Mrs. Lydia Reichner Reich. And her book, of course, is Desperation, Surviving Hitler's Intention. If you go to the www.brenthollandshow.com website, Just click on the book cover. That'll take you to Chapters Indigo. You can buy the book right online or just go to any Chapters Indigo and you can order it. Were you afraid every time you went to take a shower that that might be your last shower and you would be gassed? Who took a shower? You couldn't take a shower there. And they took you to camp. One shower and that was it. No more showers. One shower a week? No. Not at all. No showers. No showers at all. How did you wash? Well, we, my girlfriend brought a half a pail of water from somewhere. One washed out with the same water. Can you tell us about the last time you saw your mother? The last time I saw my mother was in 1944 or 43, might be. Uh, I remember we were in place where they brought all the convicts and my father slowly walking and then I look at her, Lydia, 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 because I was the baby of the family. I look down and he says, don't worry. What happened to your mother? 
my mother and my father. My father came every morning. He would call Lydia, Lydia, and we would throw kisses. And my mother, the last time I saw her, she was falling apart. Did you ever find out what happened to your mother and your father? Yeah, they were taken to my cousin that survived. She told me that when they took them away, my mother turned around and my father and waved her and said, if you ever see Lydia, she will survive. You'll see. Give her our kisses. That's a beautiful thing. Did your mother and father survive the camps? No. No. My whole family got killed. I'm the only survivor. Can you tell us about when you found out that they were gone? Well, we found out in camp one day in August. On my birthday, I got a birthday present. The girls came running in and told me that the Polish woman outside the gate, they also were forced labor, but they were free. And they told them that all the Jews were taken to Auschwitz. So that was my birthday present. I never saw my mother again. Did you know about Auschwitz? You were in Gruben at that time, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, sure. We knew what Auschwitz was. From day one, we knew. What did that mean to you? Can you tell us what you knew about Auschwitz in those days? I knew that Auschwitz was only to take the people for torture and for killing. So we were worried about Auschwitz. It was a killer camp. It was a killer camp. And you were in a slave camp, yeah. a working camp called Gruben. I would like you to tell us about the two girls that you saw that were hung from their hair. And then I would like to talk about your prized possession, which was your hair, your braids. Can you tell us first, though, about those two girls? The two girls that were hanging as punishment. It was not just two girls. They constantly hung girls. They constantly hung them. What was considered bad that you had to be punished for? To speak to somebody. So the whole time you were in the camps, you were not allowed to speak? No. Wow. No. Not at all. Were there male guards or were there female Nazis? Let me tell you something. Yes? The male guards were nice. The female guards were bitches. Can you tell us why you say that? Because it's the truth and the truth hurts. What type of things did the female guards do? They would hit us. They took my girlfriend, my best friend. They took her because she spoke to another and they caught her. And they took her in a hiding place and they beat her up so thoroughly that she died from the wounds. What was your girlfriend's name? Ella. Yes, I remember reading about her. You're listening to The Brent Holland Show. For more information on today's guests, as well as free podcasts and downloads, please go to the www.brenthollandshow.com website. www.brenthollandshow.com
you must have been very angry that no one came to help you. And by that, I mean the Germans, the Polish people. Well, among the Polish people were not that uh, joined the Nazis. There were a lot of Polish people that didn't like the Jews. They threw stones at you? And they swore at you? Polish didn't like the Jews neither. There were some real sweet ones, good ones. There was a Polish farmer that begged my mother he wants to hide us. But my sisters were in camp. And how my mother is not going to go in hiding while the sisters are in camp. And she worked hardly and sold everything she had to pay off come back for maybe vacation and they promised her they took everything she gave them they never came that's horrible can we talk about your hair and the day they cut your hair off your beautiful braid it was my biggest shock my hair was my pride i went out from the ghetto and looked like a German girl, you know. I made my braid on this side, the left and right side. was uh, extremely nicely looking, and I looked German. Nobody bothered me, as a matter of fact. I spoke full German. So when we went, there was a place, a grocery, where you could not get anything. But when I came, I could get a lot of stuff that other people couldn't get. I was really what you call a wild one. I would go, I had no fear. I would go for food, to bring food into the house. I would go and hide behind the bakery and go to the bakery. And I would go with the coupons to the bakery shop and to show peace in my eyes, and they would, instead of three-quarter bread, give me whole bread. That was before you went in the camps? Yeah. Let's talk about the day you met Anne Frank. They let us out once a week to go to, to wash ourselves. There was this creek, which was light by itself, but it was water, you know, but to wash yourself down with water. I always had with me notes, which I hid in my socks, and uh, I wrote in German. And she said, I suddenly felt somebody on my back, and she says, she understood German. I think she came from Germany, too. And... Uh, she then we became friends, and when we saw each other, we looked out for each other. And she saw what I wrote, and she wrote too. Was she optimistic that you would be friends after the war? Oh, sure, sure. When did the Nazis take her? They took us suddenly. They took us all to other camps, and I lost her. And when did you find out what happened to her? I found a girl that befriended her, and I asked her after the war, with Annie, with Annie. And she said, Annie, is dead. 
Have you read her book? She didn't read my story. She read just half the story. I see. I didn't finish it. I finished it later. I understand. Have you been able to read her story? As much as she had written, yes, but she also was not halfway through. I see. Can you tell us about the forced march to Bergen-Belsen? It was a dead march. According to that much, we walked and there stood a woman, the children were kind, as we asked her water the children will bring, and the mothers would take the water and pour it over my shoes, and they were real, real, real Nazis. What is a real Nazi for you? Can you describe what happened on that death march for us? On the death march, the rain came and the snow came, and we were all drenched in snow and rain. You can just imagine. A lot of girls died from pneumonia and said, I must survive. I must survive. I have to tell the world what happened. And you are certainly doing that. Folks, if you're just joining us, I have been riveted to this seat. We are speaking with Mrs. Lydia Reichner Reich. And her book, of course, is Desperation, Surviving Hitler's Intention. If you go to the www.brenthollandshow.com website, just click on the book cover. That'll take you to Chapters Indigo. You can buy the book right online or just go to any chapters indigo and you can order it. Mrs. Reich, to recount all these stories, I do want to apologize to you because I know it's reliving those horrific times for you and you have to pull all those emotions up. Emotions I'm sure you would like never to have had and also you would like to forget. I want to say that you are an incredibly courageous woman to write your book, your story, why did you feel it was so important to write your book and release it now? It had to. It had to. There's no question. It had to. The world should see. Do you think it's all happening again right now? It's starting to happening again. And the Semitism will not die. Fate will not die. Children that will people die. People will be dead people. You know it. Have you been to Israel? If I was in Israel? Yes. Yes, I was. What was that like for you? Can you tell us some of that? Oh, it was beautiful. It was a very hard time. My dream is to return again. To go back to Israel. How do you feel about what's happening in the world today with so many people cursing at Israel? You know, the anti-Semites, there are a lot of anti-Semites. You cannot erase them. Hate will always be. There's nothing we can do about that unless we make a, a law that forbids it. But then it's not a democracy anymore. Would you ever like to go back to Germany? Not want to go back to. Germany? Yeah. How about Poland? Would you like to go to Poland? No. There is a tour that's offered. It's called The Walk of the Living. Would you ever like to take that tour? That tour, by the way, folks, takes younger people on a tour of all the death camps. 
Would you like to do something like that and revisit Bergen-Belsen? Not at all, eh? Okay, I understand that completely. How were the conditions different in Bergen-Belsen from your time at Gruben? Were they worse? Were they the same? Oh, much worse. Much worse. Much worse. Can you describe them for our listeners? Well, in Dreamen by Strigo, it was a working camp. We got at least a slice of bread a day. But the other camp was a dead camp. What were the living conditions like for you? Were there still hundreds of girls in the same dorm, in the same room? Yeah. yeah. And again, no blankets? No, no. No place to properly wash yourselves? No. And just basic food, not even basic food, just soup and water? What would happen if you got sick with just a flu? Then you die. When you were at Bergen-Belsen, when the Nazis would have a roll call in the morning, did they ever call out the sick girls and take them away? No. No. Not there, eh? No. Okay. Was there ever a... Please? They couldn't care less. They couldn't care less. They just wanted you all gone. Was there ever a time when you thought, I cannot go on any longer? There were many times. I said, I have to. I have to. I have to. If nothing else but for my mother and father, I had to. That's what kept you going? Yeah. Was the thought of telling this story that you're telling us right now? Yeah. Can you tell us, was there ever a time when you thought you were going to be killed? Oh, there were many times they opened the wagons and they were shooting outside people and the girls told us, let's hide, let's hide that each one hid behind the other and they killed people out the side. But luckily the train kept going and we were spared. What was your most horrible memory? The most horrible. Seeing the stack of dead bodies. Oh, my God. What was the smell like? You can't imagine. When you saw the stack of dead bodies, did you think that you may end up like that? We knew for sure that hope, hope is a healer, you know this. Folks, if you're just joining us, I have been riveted to this seat. We are speaking with Mrs. Lydia Reichner Reich, and her book, of course, is Desperation, Surviving Hitler's Intention. If you go to the www.brenthollandshow.com website, Just click on the book cover. That'll take you to Chapters Indigo. You can buy the book right online or just go to any Chapters Indigo and you can order it. Was there ever any rumors in the camp about the Allies, the Americans, the Canadians, that they had landed in Normandy and they were on their way? Yes, we had so many times those. And and then we came to... Not believe it anymore. But let me tell you a little story. Yes, please. 
I was dying. I went deep underground in Bergen Belsen. Suddenly I saw Shabbat. You know what Shabbat is? Oh, yes. Shabbat candles. Oh. And I saw my mother and father and my sisters and everybody in synagogue and singing. And uh, I want to run. I see my mother. And I say, Mama, Mama. And I want to run to her. And she shows her with her hand not to come near her. Because in our religion, you cannot touch a dead body. So I just ran back. And then later I found out that if you touch a dead body, you will die too. Oh, my. So that was an incredible dream, an incredible vision you had. Yeah. That's a great story. Was there any other stories that you can remember you would like to tell us? Well, uh, you, you read my book, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah. There were so many. I can tell you offhand now. No, that's okay. That's okay. That's fine. When you look back now at those times, do they seem like a dream? Do they seem not real? They don't seem like a dream. They seem as a nightmare. Very good point. What makes you afraid now? Afraid. Afraid I'm only that my kids should be healthy and my husband should be healthy, who I love tremendously. I have a very good husband. Can you tell us when you first met him? Oh, uh, we first met in Israel. I knew him as a little child. I knew him. I think it's in the book. Yes, it is. He was 14, I think, and you were 11, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you tell us that little story? Yeah, well, he hated me because I was wild. So he always hid from me because he's a quiet man. And then afterwards, when I was taken into a camp and to go to Israel legally, suddenly one day it knocks at my door and my husband is there. And he came looking for me after he hated my guts. <laughs> Beshert. <laughs> right. You're his Beshert and he's yours. Yeah. That's beautiful. Folks, Beshert means um, soulmate. Yeah. Can you tell us about the poems you wrote? Oh, I wrote a lot of poems. You're speaking right now to all the young people in Canada going to universities. What would you like to say to them? To never believe stories, to always be honest, and to always trust their parents. That walk again to Bergen-Belsen, did they feed you? No. Not at all, eh? No. Was there any water for you? Water. I asked a little girl to give me water. Her mother took a cup and threw it on my shoes. Yeah. Can we talk about the Liberation Day and when the British came into the camp? I couldn't walk anymore. So the kids came running. I had a premonition, you know, like a dream. They see my mother and father, 
And my father and the pilot, they would say to him, what is going on? And he showed me with his finger to be quiet. And I found out that the liberation came. And that's how you found out. Yeah. Can you tell us how you felt about the British? You know, those that liberate you, they were nice. They cried with us. But then later they exchanged them for another group. And those were horrifying. They, they sided with the Nazis. And those that were exchanged made Bootsy put it to the German woman and made fun of us. Horrible. Can you tell us about those times? I haven't got a good word for England. After you were liberated, what happened the very next day? The next day, then they came and took our information, if we had any information, because they wanted to send out a family that we are alive. Whatever I had sold in my coat, I took out. And I gave it to them, and they looked for my family. And my brother in Israel told me, somebody came and told him, Lydia is alive. He put his hand down on the table and cried. Folks, if you're just joining us, I have been riveted to this seat. We are speaking with Mrs. Lydia Reichner Reich. And her book, of course, is Desperation, Surviving Hitler's Intention. If you go to the www.brenthollandshow.com website, just click on the book cover. That'll take you to Chapters Indigo. You can buy the book right online or just go to any Chapters Indigo and you can order it. Can you tell us how you got out of the camps after liberation and where you went? They took us to an officer's place where the German officers were. And there we were for quite a few months, but I crossed from the old school for who wants to learn a little bit. So I was the first to go. As you might know, it, my writing is not perfect, but I always wanted to learn more. And I went to school that I could learn. No, and German. You speak all those languages? I speak German, Polish, Hebrew, Yiddish, and English. Wow, that's very impressive, Mrs. Reich. Can you tell us how you came to be in Israel? Oh, this is another chapter. They wouldn't let us in, so I signed up for illegal. And for three months, we were on the road. Can you imagine? That's horrible. Yeah. yeah. And then finally, they took us on a boat, no water, no food. And for three weeks, we were drifting on the boat. And the British were cruising above the boat. We couldn't get down because they were everywhere. The British, they couldn't let us get down. Not to be prejudiced, but the British are not better than the Germans. Oh, you've earned the right to say whatever you want. That's no problem. You're listening to The Brent Holland Show. For more information on today's guests, as well as free podcasts and downloads, 
please go to the www.brenthollandshow.com website. www.brenthollandshow.com Can you tell us what happened to the boat? It took us off. No, no I have no idea. I was a little girl still. Still a little girl. When you were came off the boat, where were you? They took us to Cyprus. How was it in Cyprus for you? There was thousands of people there? Yeah. No food, no water. The heat went down on us. It was hell. But later, got established. They took the children, among which I was, and they put us by the latrines to sleep. Oh, my God. And this was the British? This was the British. The British are not better than the Germans. I don't trust the British. I know politics are not involved in this here, but I don't trust them. I will never trust them after what I went through. When you were in Cyprus, did you ever think about getting out to America, Canada? Well, at first I looked for my family, and I heard that they all died, were killed. So I wanted to go to Argentina to my brother. And then I wanted to go to Israel to my other brother, who comes first. And then I decided I'm going to go to Israel. And then Israel was terrible with the British. Very bad. Mm-hmm. How did you finally get to Israel? Illegal. Illegal. Can you tell us that story? We were for three months in Italy, among the Italian... And they were the kindest people on earth. They had cherries, cherry trees we could pick. And they allowed us. When you finally got to Israel, how did you feel? I'm free. I'm free. For the first time in my life, I'm free. I had a brother there in Israel. He left right before the Holocaust. Did you go through the 1948 war? In Israel? Or had you left? You did. How did you feel about that when all the Arabs were attacking you? How I feel. You can imagine how I feel. There will never be peace with the Arabs. They haven't got enough. And they are all Nazis. They're Nazi-inspired. They will never give us peace. Do you think there ever will be peace in Israel? There will never be peace, no. 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 Why is that? Because they don't want the Jews. When they get the money from all kinds of sources that hate the Jews. You see them just like the Nazis. Right, exactly. Okay. How did you come to the United States? I came to the United States. I went with my girlfriend. And we checked out how we could come to the United States. They took us for three months to Italy to hide us. And from there, they took us on a ship to the United States. But they found us and wouldn't let us down. But in the end, they 
did let us down and let us in. How did you feel when you finally landed in the United States? Like a, like a queen. Like a queen, that's beautiful. Did you feel free also the same way you felt? Yeah, yeah. In Israel, safe? Yeah, for the first time in my life. Finally. And now you've gone on, you've had a beautiful family? Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your family? Yeah, I have two sons. I have two daughters. One son is... Uh, they both have their own businesses. And the daughters, they have... Uh, one daughter is married and a housewife, and she does on the side bookkeeping. And the other one is bookkeeping, too. That's wonderful. And do you have grandchildren? Grandchildren, yeah. Beautiful grandchildren. So you're a bubby. Yeah. That's wonderful. And Hanukkah is coming up. You're going to celebrate with your family? Yeah. That's beautiful. We celebrate together. Go to shul. Folks, if you're just joining us, I have been riveted to this seat. We are speaking with Mrs. Lydia Reichner Reich. And her book, of course, is Desperation, Surviving Hitler's Intention. If you go to the www.brenthollandshow.com website, just click on the book cover. That'll take you to Chapters Indigo. You can buy the book right online or just go to any Chapters Indigo and you can order it. I was wondering if you could tell us, because it's important for a person like yourself that has been and looked at evil right in the eye and saw the devil, if you could give us some words of hope and inspiration. Well, hope, you never give up. You never give up. You have to keep hope going. This is the inspiration. You never give up. You have to be strong. I want to thank you so much for taking the time out today. I know it was a lengthy interview, and I know it must be exhausting for you, but it is so important, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing this for us. And all those years ago, when you were in the camps and you kept telling yourself, I have to keep going to tell my story, I want to thank you for those moments. I would like to ask you a favor, if you put it in writing, could you send me a copy? Oh, I would be happy to. I'll be happy to send you the whole interview. And uh, that would be my greatest pleasure, believe me. That would be wonderful. I want to wish you God bless you. Same to you. Thank you. And may Hashem bless you and your family forever. Same to you. Thank you so much. Bye now. Bye. I want to thank Lydia Reich for having the courage to tell her story for all of us. The hell she went through, we can only imagine. God forbid we should ever experience it ourselves. She's an incredible woman. Lydia Reich. Next week on Brent Holland, please do join us. We go from one hell directly to another. Marina Nimet joins us next week. Her book, Prisoner of Tehran, a memoir. Evan Prison. Evan Prison is in the center of Tehran, Iran. Just a young 16-year-old girl, Marina Nemet, was arrested on false charges by Iranian Revolutionary Guards and tortured in Tehran's notorious Evan Prison. Next week, 
She recounts her story and tells it to us personally. Next week on Brent Holland. I want to thank you all so much for joining us for this special broadcast and allowing us to bring Lydia Reich's story directly to you. Please do spread the word, download this show, and send it en masse to all your friends and ask them to do the same. We can never, ever, ever allow this to happen again. 57 years ago today, a remarkable recording was made in the German concentration camp of Bergen-Belsen. The recording became part of a radio report on the liberation of that death camp that was filed by Patrick Gordon Walker, who worked for the BBC. This is London calling North America. The day I reached Belsen concentration camp, the fifth day of liberation, was a Friday, the day before the Jewish Sabbath. Something like half the surviving prisoners at Belsen were Jews, and the Jewish chaplain to the British Second Army, the Reverend L.H. Hardman, held an eve of the Sabbath service in the open air in the midst of the camp. It was the first Jewish service that many of the men and women present had taken part in for six years. It was probably the first Jewish service held on German soil in absolute security and without fear for a decade. Around us lay the corpses that there had not been time to clear away even after five days. 40,000 or more had been cleared, but there were still one or two thousand around. And people were still lying down and dying in broad daylight in front of our eyes. This was the background to this open-air Jewish service. During the service, the few hundred people gathered together were sobbing openly with joy at their liberation and with sorrow at the memory of their parents and brothers and sisters that had been taken from them and gassed and burned. These people knew they were being recorded. They wanted the world to hear their voice. They made a tremendous effort which quite exhausted them. Listen. <laughs> Survivors of Bergen-Belsen singing Hatikva. 
at Shabbat services on April 20, 1945, following their liberation by British troops of the Second Army. That transcription of a shortwave broadcast was made in New York City by Mo Ash. The recently discovered recording comes to us from the Smithsonian Center for American Folklife. Thank you for listening. See you next week.